Welcome to Better Health Podcast by Motherhood, the podcast series dedicated to every woman's intimate health. Join us as we delve into the conversations and topics that are often left unspoken and misunderstood. We bring you real and raw discussions about the issues that women face throughout their lives. From the challenges of motherhood to the complexities of hormonal changes, we strive to create a safe space where women can explore and understand their own bodies. Welcome to Better Health Podcast by Motherhood. And here is your host, Sneha. Welcome to Better Health Podcast by Motherhood Hospitals. I'm Sneha, your host for today's episode. Better Health is a safe space for every woman to learn about their intimate health. We will have conversations about issues real women face and issues they are not comfortable speaking about openly. In today's episode, we are going to talk about a woman's uh, gynae health journey from puberty to menopause, how her body is changing, her hormonal health, emotions and some know-how for gynae checks. We have Dr. Teji Dawane, obstetrician and gynecologist, Motherhood Hospitals, Bangalore. Thank you for making time and being here with us, Dr. Dawane. How do you feel? Namaste, Sneha. This is what we greet with that motherhood. Thank you for uh, such a warm welcome. I'm uh, really thrilled to be here and uh, I really feel that we should have more of these, uh, you know, awareness programs such that people are more aware about uh, how, what changes their bodies are uh, going to undergo and how the things are, what are the things that are going to happen in different phases of a woman's life. So thank you so much for having me here today. And that's what we are here for, doctor. So without much ado, uh, let's move on to the first question, doctor. So uh, I and most of my friends have attended uh, puberty at the age of 13. And we hear today that today's girls are attending puberty at a very early age, around seven years or eight years, doctor. So I would like to know uh, a little bit about early puberty and what kind of advice would you like to give to these uh, mothers of these daughters? So, uh, yes, rightly said, Sneha. So if you look at the whole uh, time frame, when we used to first get our periods or when we had menarche, as we say, uh, medically, so that used to the average age used to be around, you know, 12 years, 13 years. And then slowly as time passed, we started noticing that age had then fallen down to say 11 and then 10. And now we have girls as young as, you know, eight, nine year olds who are having uh, puberty and who are going through that phase. So if you see the entire reproductive age group now, if you've also noticed that, you know, women like our parents had menopause at 50, 52, that was the average age. And then fell down to over a period of time, fell down to, you know, 47, 48. And nowadays it's coming down to even 43, 44 is the age where women are also, you know, going through these changes and attaining menopause. So the entire reproductive age group has been shifting, uh, you know, uh, prematurely. And, you know, it's not, uh, I mean, it's and then that whole age group uh, reproductive uh, cycle is been shifting. So there are a lot of factors that, you know, we are noticing nowadays. So the biggest uh, factor, see, one is genetic. So genetic is uh, the age at which your mother, your sister has attained. But that is really not in our hands. So that is not something we can change. The very major uh, uh, fact that there are so many environmental changes that are happening, the lifestyle changes that are happening. So these are something that is having a very major impact on all of this uh, premature or precocious puberty, we say. So by definition, when we say early menarche is anything less than 10 years of age when the girl has attained her first period. 
and what are the factors that are there so uh, biggest is the dietary changes that girls are going through so nowadays uh, there is so much of you know sugar so we say there is a category of food called as ssp you know sweetened sugar beverages that have increased you know for every birthday party you go to you're having uh, you know soft drinks and cool drinks and those tetra packs and all of this so that uh, the intake of these sugar filled beverages has um, increased their uh, you know risk risk of obesity risk of these hormonal changes uh, not only that but even the increased intake of you know junk food the uh, deep fried stuff that is happening hacking that they have and uh, so their increased weight uh, uh, during this time so all of this has had a major factor on uh, you know how the timelines are changing apart from this you know the phones and the exposure to screen time that has increased so that uh, is also in- impacting their uh, you know this pu- puberty time so they are feeling i mean nowadays lack of sleep due to excessive screen time the sleep cycles getting disturbed all of this has an uh, you know major role to play uh, when your uh, menarche has started and then uh, uh, apart from that there are also other things like you know you uh, you have so much of peer pressure you have so much stress from school you know probably parents also are then pushing parents now the each parent wants their children to be perfect at everything you want the child to do very good at sports you want the child to do well in music you are you know you are trying to uh, fulfill your wishes through the child you know putting the child through so many classes and so much of pressure so sometimes the children are also you know uh, they find themselves not being able to manage that much of stress so and balance it out so all of this has been contributing so these are the major environmental factors the dietary the sleep and the pressure that is coming in from from school from the parents you know the peer pressure that's there all of this actually really contributes to this neha understood doctor and doctor it has also become a very uh, common scenario that parents don't have the time to run around uh, you know uh, in uh, uh, with their children so what they do is they just give them the money and then children have all the liberty to just go buy some bakery items and then eating it and then the major issue uh, we are also seeing in today's parents i am seeing my cousins who have children right now and you know so that they can uh, you know concentrate on their own work so doctor going forward coming to the pressure the peer pressure you know uh, in order to uh, stand out uh, or the stress they are getting from these schools and colleges we also heard that these adolescent children basically the girls are coming up with a lot of gynae issues so what are those common gynae issues uh, these adolescent girls are coming up with i would definitely say that as soon as you get your periods for the first time for the first few months it is going to be a little irregular because body is taking time to uh, get adjusted to that uh, sync that is happening and that monthly release of hormones but then that period is prolonging so much so you know it's going on for 8 months 1 year you know 2 years the cycles have not stabilized the amount of bleeding is so much high and you know it's so uh, it's distressing that the girl can't you know her normal activities she's limiting herself she's you know she's not able to do her sports or whatever playing and all of that so that is usually not what we expect because once the cycle stabilizes it takes about couple of months maybe 5 6 months and after that it should happen on an on a regular fashion but then the cycles being irregular then 
and then that leads to you know problems with the bleeding so we also get two extremes you know sometimes there is absolutely no bleeding at all where the girl lands up you know does it have hardly little bit of spotting or maybe one day of flow and then no periods for another 2 3 months and then or even the other extreme wherein she is bleeding for 7 days 10 days and she's not able to carry out her regular activities so then that's again puts in a lot of mental uh, you know stress and she's like she's not able to go out with her friends she's not able to plan any parties and things like that so these two uh, so irregularity of the cycle the flow of the cycle the second third problem that we are really seeing nowadays is severe dysmenorrhea or severe pain during periods set girls are facing so this also increases drastically with the intake of sugar basically so the more of uh, sugar that you know they take then day to day food so that increases the inflammation in the body so when the period cycle has to happen or just before your periods when so there is as it is a lot of inflammation when increased intake of you know coffee aerated drinks and sugar that increases the inflammation so that increases there is so much congestion around your uterus and around the ovaries and you have severe pain when you are having periods you're not able to carry out your normal activities so all these are something that is uh, that we are noticing nowadays young girls coming saying you have severe pain they're not able to go to school they have to sit back at home so all this you know catapults into so many things you know they start missing school they start missing out they start getting you know uh, you know more depressed and they start sitting at home you want to eat more because you want to overcome that kind of mood swing that has happened because of this so uh, so coming you know slowly to that so these are the physical things that we see uh, you know practically physical changes and the changes in the periods but also the mood and the emotional aspect of it is also quite uh, uh, alarmingly high wherein you know girls are getting so depressed so when we tell young girls that say it is a it is your transition phase your mother has gone through it your sisters your grandmothers and you are also going through it but then for ours of our parents for us it was quite smooth and now but then this transition phase is becoming so uh, hard for them so then they get into that kind of you know distress and they you know they don't want to face that time of the month when they get another period cycle and they go have to go through so much pain and so much uh, practical issues so that then also leads to a lot of uh, anxiety and a lot of you know sleep issues and not able to sleep well uh, even thinking about getting a period and all of that so it's becoming like a you know very difficult thing to for them to just face their normal periods so we have to you know put an end to this and this begins from uh, you know probably from our it's our responsibility as parents not to you know give off screens at just because the child is not eating you know you show something on the screen and you know stuff the child so the child has no idea uh, what the child is eating you know uh, how much to chew you know to take the you know to get the actual taste of food so when you are tasting so it's recommended that you use your hands to you know eat food and not with spoons and all of that so that's when you're you know activating the senses of your hands and that's when you know the food actually you know will get to take taste better chew better gets digested better but all of that the focus is so much on the screen and the um the the distraction the child forgets to chew and so then all of that is undigested and all of that gets accumulated as fat so it, it begins from there so it is very important that you know as parents we uh try to give our children some time at least during these crucial times of the day where you know 
meal time is should be at the dinner table and for everybody i mean it's just, it's all people so you can't have a father sitting and doing some work at the laptop and having dinner but then you can't expect that the children would sit at the dinner table the children are going to follow parents and they observe basically children are reflection of what we do at home so if we are going to pay attention to the food that you're eating they are going to do it because you they see you do it so it's very important that you set a good example for them sure doctor since uh, doctor we are talking about first periods early puberty uh, and other things uh, what adolescent girls go through our listeners would like to also know about hpv vaccines doctor are vaccines enough what is the right age uh, a girl has to take hpv vaccine what are the uh, amount of doses uh she should go for if you can throw some light on that yes so uh, the cervical cancer is a dark horse topic because uh, people are not really aware what is happening what is the uterus where is the cervix so your cervix is the basically opening of the uterus and this is exposed to a lot of sexual activity so when you're having intercourse when you're having you know your periods are flowing out through this uh, part and when you're having discharge the white discharges the abnormal discharges so there's a lot of activity going on there there's a lot of wear and tear that is going on it is exposed to so many discharges during various phases of the cycle sometimes there is bleeding sometimes there's brown discharge the white discharges and also you know when you're changing pads so you're keeping it little around the cervix so so many things are happening so and then there is a higher chance of infections and all of this so uh, in short hpv is nothing but a kind of an infection so it is a human papilloma virus it's a viral infection which can impact the cervix so this is the only actually if i can say this is the only cancer in the entire body which starts off with a simple infection so it is just a you know a viral infection which transforms the dna of the cells of the cervix and makes them cancerous so because there is an infection there is a vaccine for it and it can be totally preventable so this is one cancer in the body which you can totally prevent it and it just starts off with a simple infection and if you're away from the infection and you can protect yourself from the infection you your chances of getting the uh, the cancer in the later on uh, life is much much less so basically uh, there are about multiple varieties of the viruses that can cause the uh, cancer but uh, the most common ones there are about nine varieties of viruses for which we have a vaccine so there is the vaccine called as gardasil 9 so where there are three doses of the vaccine one if you take it today you say zero uh, sec- zero dose of the uh, first uh, this thing and the second dose is taken after a month's time and the next dose the booster dose is taken about six months uh, following the second dose So there are three doses taken one month apart, second dose, and six months apart is the booster dose. Now in the West, it is taken even as yeah, I mean by girls as young as six years and seven years because they have a very early exposure to uh, sexual life and all of that, and uh, uh, and boys as young as even nine, ten years of age also. So the virus impacts both both the girls and the boys. so it can also cause cancer of the uh, cervix in women and cancer of the penis in um, boys and men so we need to be protected against both because your partner could be carrying the virus and it could also get transmitted to you so it is essential that you protect yourself and you take uh, these vaccines so the efficacy of the vaccine is very good when you have taken it before the contact of the first sexual contact because yeah um, 
the virus has everything to do with uh, sexual activity so when there is uh, so that's how you uh, get infected so when you are uh, having intercourse or any bodily fluids that have uh, you know have come in contact there is a chance that the virus can get uh, transmitted from one person to the other so uh, so ideal time of the vaccine is for young girls who have not had uh, you know sexual intercourse and that the efficacy of the virus is also about 67 uh, sorry about 96 97% of the times it is protective even after intercourse you could have the vaccine but however the efficacy of the vaccine comes down to about 20 25% but it is still better than not having any protection at all one thing i would i would like to mention here is uh, this is uh, you know not something that you can uh, be completely uh, so your your usually uh, whatever precautions you have to take after the vaccine you have to continue what i mean to say is a uh, lot of people you know they feel that once that they are vaccinated they are completely protected against the virus and completely protected against the cancer so that doesn't give you the um, you know the uh, the this thing to you know the license to you know still have erratic sexual behavior it is response i mean you have to be responsible you have to use uh, you know protection and you have to use condoms when you are having intercourse even after you have taken the vaccine because the vaccine covers only about nine varieties of the viruses there are still about 50 varieties of viruses which are not still covered by the vaccine so it's just like the covid vaccine no people say, think that you know just because i've taken the covid vaccine i'm not going to get covid and you don't use masks and you know your sanitizers and all of that but there is still a chance of getting the covid it's just that your uh, the 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 symptoms and the uh, severity is going to be less but there is still a chance of you getting so it is not a 100% protection your routine um, uh, you know your barrier contraception your contraception your condoms you have to be in place and you have to have a responsible sexual uh, attitude and doctor uh, should one go for pap smear test after having hpv vaccine yes definitely recommended so even after you get the vaccine that's what so those that routine protocol should be in place your routine pap smears have to be uh, continued even after the vaccine and that the protocol remains the same so you can have once in 3 uh, years the pap smear provided your previous pap smear has been normal understood uh, so doctor moving on to the next question and little higher up to the uh, elder generation what we say as reproductive age between 22 to 30 so what are the common gynecological issues that you see in today's women so uh, so this reproductive uh, uh, so actually now if you ask us i mean nowadays women are planning pregnancies also quite late uh, so earlier the uh, age which would be about 24 28 20 you know about 22 to 28 times now because women are uh, you know they are career oriented and they want to be uh, focus on those aspects before they want to plan a family so they are looking at little uh, later on during life which is nothing wrong it is the personal choice and all of that but that also means that you should be a little more responsible towards your health your body make sure that you know you kind of avoid uh, you know a lot of smoking and a lot of uh, no alcohol the intake of a lot of uh, the soda and the same the beverages that are there alcohol is something and smoking is something that you should uh, avoid and restrict not completely avoid uh, make uh, sure you have limited quantities of all of that 
so because of all of this we have we have we have been seeing patients who are now struggling to have babies who are having problems in conceiving because that begins from your periods so because periods itself are getting irregular so then planning becomes difficult uh, so uh, the infertility uh, problems have increased and it's not only the female infertility it's even the male uh, you know the sperm quality the sperm counts are drastically reducing and uh, that is then again impacted by the uh, lifestyles that men have against smoking and the alcohol impacts the sperm quality uh, and also stress i mean we are seeing young couples who are having you know hypertension at such a young age you know 30 35 is the average age where uh, you know uh, men are or women are having weak blood pressures having you know diabetes so all of this also lands up you know contributing to the fact that they are having difficulty in conceiving so that is the first step and even if they do conceive then we are seeing an increased uh, chances of miscarriages and increased risk of you know abnormal pregnancies and then leading to miscarriages within the first 3 months itself so that also is increasing because of your uh, diet because your folic acid supplements uh, are not in place so it's always recommended that you plan uh, well in ahead you visit your doctor you visit us we give you a lifestyle change we give you a diet change that you can do to improve your uh, egg quality your sperm quality and lifestyle does have a major impact and coming to women they are having other problems like you know polycystic ovarian disease or pcod or they are having increased fibroids in the uterus so fibroids are uh, small lumps in the uterus and that is just because of hormone changes so so and those hormone changes are again subject to stress and uh, the lifestyle factors that we have been talking about so all these problems ovarian cyst is another thing that we see very commonly so the ovaries developing cysts and those cysts they don't sit quietly you know the problem is they don't sit they release their own hormones so these are some very common problems that we are seeing during the course of pregnancy we are seeing increased risk of diabetes extreme weight gain because you no know, that concept of you know eating for two people uh, that during pregnancy has uh, has been there around for such a long time and so women just land up eating and then but they're in a bubble you know they don't want to move because they feel that when they move around when they're active you no know, there can be a chance of miscarriage so so that is an lead to leading to increased weight gain and then increased chances of c sections uh, you know instrumental deliveries so all of this is what we're you no know, no noticing nowadays in fact doctor adding on to your insight about lifestyle issues and also i'm adding the family history as well so there is a rise in high risk pregnancies and a lot of ivf pregnancies have also gone up doctor again a lot of factors are involved there lifestyle issues stress a uh, lot of other things uh, so doctor how do these precious pregnancies have an impact on women's health post delivery what can be done to make more awareness about these uh, you know uh, ivf pregnancies or pre- precious pregnancies preconception planning lifestyle management and access to care and management of these pregnancies like how how will you uh, help these women have a smooth okay. pregnancy and delivery so yes i mean if you ask me sneha actually all pregnancies are precious and just because you know you had an ivf conception that doesn't mean that you're you know even more precious than a lady who's conceived naturally so if you ask me today every single pregnancy is precious 
but at the same time that doesn't mean precious doesn't mean that you should not move around at all and then you should be you know at complete bed rest because it's a natural process and once you conceive no it really doesn't matter whether it is an ivf conception or whether that process of conception may have been assisted maybe you know you've taken some uh, extra medications but once you conceive more or less the journey is the same whether you've conceived uh, you know with a big with a major procedure or whether it's a natural conception so that journey should remain the same and that motivation starts from the time that you're even planning your pregnancy so you should be uh, even motivated and that's our job so that's our job to motivate you we will guide you the right way we will give you what are the lifestyle changes and how active you need to be so otherwise you see our parents you know, when you look around you 90% of people have been very active and medically there is no problem and they go about your usual lives like before covid sneha pregnancy is not a disease no that where you take 24 hours bed rest and you need all the you know you need to live in a bubble it's a natural process and it comes with the flow i mean it, it is something that you know is an add on to your life it's not something that stops your life completely and puts you you know on bed rest and you know focusing only on pregnancy and stressing only about it So I have a lot of couples even asking me that you know you give me work from home because I don't want to travel because there is an option of work from home but I would say you shouldn't you know you should go about your normal life at least maybe 3 4 days 3 days a week you could go because that's when you meet more people you meet your friends you you know you get a little move around a little bit you have a little bit more of you know independence you can you're just not you know in those that four walls and you're stuck to your laptop and it's not going to really help you know any but or even the baby so doctor let's move on to a little higher up uh, generation which is the perimenopause and menopause stage uh, with you being here i'm very much intrigued to ask uh, this question to you so i have a sister who is 47 years old and she is going through this perimenopause uh, phase she is having she's not having periods uh, consecutively obviously it's one of the symptoms and she is having a lot of mood swings uh, you know brain fog and you know and she has a uh, adolescent daughter who is very finicky so nobody is actually supporting her so uh, because she is going through a lot of issues what advice would you tell women you know in this particular uh, age group and women post menopause how to take care of their health and how family should support that right. so that's again a very important phase i think i have our uh, mothers really didn't get much support them they were like uh, uh, i think our parents used to say that my father used to say he didn't even know what really happened to my mom during that phase and how uh, so but now it is important that we do support the lady because you know i think the lady really runs the house i mean the health of the family is at the lady's so right from the kind of food children eat right from the lifestyle they have the timing of how they sleep and all of that so it's very important that the lady is uh, fine and she is you know well taken care of so that the entire family you know is healthy and runs well so it is a, uh, so see i mean see hormones uh, it's not like a switch you know the menopause is not like a button that you switch off and then everything goes to zero in a day so there are slowly these variations start and then that slowly then dies down and then it uh, the period actually stops so when you have no periods for more than a year then is when we say that you've attained menopause so one year of no periods is when you've attained menopause and before you reach that when there is this phase of this hormonal imbalance 
then this phase is called a peri or a premenopausal phase wherein the body is undergoing so many hormonal changes to get adjusted to that kind of uh, a menopausal state so when that kind there are so many hormonal changes this is the last times that we last uh, you know time that we want to give medications because naturally body is trying to the brain is trying to you know vary the hormones and on top of it you get take medicines or you take hormonal tablets during that time so that really confuses the body so we would really suggest that you know the lady understands and this is the phase that she has to go through and there are some certain tips that we give that you can make in you know dietary changes in your lifestyle that helps the lady to transition through this phase so there are two kinds of hormones in our bodies there one is the estrogen and one is the progesterone estrogen is the main hormone or the dominant hormone in any lady so three main systems that the estrogen controls one is the estrogen protects the brain it has a protective effect on the brain on the heart it has a very good impact and protects the heart and the bone so these are the three main systems now when as the effect of estrogen starts reducing then the protective effect on all these three systems starts reducing so that is why you start getting when the uh, you know when you are more anxious you get more anxiety you have severe mood swings um, you know during this phase you are start having little bit of bone issues your knees are hurting your back is hurting you have weak bones you start developing osteoporosis during this phase and you do have odd fluctuations you have really you know when everyone else is sit- sitting comfortably in the room but you are really sweating or in the middle of the night you get up with lot of sweating and then you want fresh air and breath of fresh air or you can hear your heartbeat you know palpitations really hard uh, so all of these changes that are happening during menopause but this is very much natural all ladies go through it some women have a little more exaggerated symptoms and some women it's a little more smooth so there are some natural dietary foods which have a vigorous estrogen which we recommend so i have a diet plan i usually guide the women as to what dietary foods you can take which are naturally estrogen so that's absolutely no side effects and these are plant extracts of estrogen which helps us transition this phase better apart from that yoga and pranayama is also a very very good uh, you know uh, way to you know help you go through this phase there are evidence nowadays to or to say and you know people and there are a lot of studies done in the us also to say how yoga and the breathing simple breathing techniques helps us stabilize these hormones and the impact of the hormones on the body so these things are something that you have to uh, change in your lifestyle and have a active kind of a lifestyle and have every day at least half an hour 40 minutes of some kind of activity whatever you like uh, this thing and you it could be a simple swimming or it could be a zumba simple brisk walk is more than enough uh family plays a very again very important role because in this time we should make sure that we give uh the lady her time you you have to give her at least one hour in the day to do what she wants to do and to you know to help her transition through this and from our side you know what is it that you can help and contribute maybe the children can help a little bit in the kitchen you know you can help a little bit in cleaning and make her happy basically and if there's medically something we can help we can definitely 
A big thanks to you, doctor. I mean, we are so honored to have you on board today and talk a lot about puberty to menopause and share grateful, uh, you know, great insights, valuable insights today with us. So this was Bet Her podcast powered by Motherhood Hospitals. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do follow us on podcast and leave us a rating and review as well. It helps other listeners to discover the show and I would just really appreciate it. Even better if you know someone who could learn and be empowered with the podcast, don't forget to share it with them. Thank you so much, doctor. Thank you, Sneha. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.